One, welcome all to the M60 podcast. This is episode 11, and I am your host, John Waltz, recording in the late afternoon, early evening here in beautiful Franklin, Tennessee, just south of the Music City in Nashville. And uh, joining me for this episode, all the way up north in beautiful Coldwater, Michigan, is uh, my my very first boss, uh, mentor, and friend, Mr. Raleigh Freisinger. Uh, Raleigh is the founder and president of the Game of Your Life Foundation, which is a nonprofit administrative arm of the Callaway Junior Tour and the Meyer Junior Players Tour, which are two organizations that do junior golf tournaments around the state of Michigan. Raleigh is also the president of the Midwest Collegiate Series, which runs tournaments around the Midwest for kids in the college age bracket. Raleigh has been awarded the Michigan PGA Junior Golf Leader Award in 1995 and 1996, and he is the Lifetime Achievement Award winner for 2006 from the Michigan Golf Course Owners Association. And Raleigh, did I see on your uh, PGA of America bio that you won the uh, Junior Golf Leader Award again this year? I did, yes. Very uh, good. It's very, very fortunate to, to have that happen, yes. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, a little bit more about the Game of Your Life Foundation. The Game of Your Life Foundation awards scholarships to worthy young adults who display commitment in character of the individual, academic record, extracurricular involvement. And to this date, since 1994, the Game of Your Life Foundation has awarded just under a half a million dollars in scholarships to deserving young people in the state of Michigan. So first off, congratulations on that, Raleigh. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining me today. Like I, I said before I started the recording, I'm really, really excited to have you on here and uh, talk with you through about some of these issues facing men in the world today. Me too. I'm excited about it and uh, good to reconnect with you. Yes. And um, a little quick, uh, as I said in the intro, Raleigh, uh, I don't know, he either saw something in me or felt sorry for me or just really needed somebody to pick range balls at the shop when we first met in 1999. And uh, I worked for Raleigh for uh, about four years to, uh, to my recollection, um, a little bit in high school and a little bit uh, in my college years. And uh, I learned a lot under Raleigh and I genuinely look up to him as a, uh, as a mentor and, a, and as a businessman. And uh, as a, uh, a follower of Christ, which we'll talk a little bit more here uh, coming up. So, so Raleigh, the first question that I ask each guest, and uh, you're, you're no different, what does it mean to be a man <laughs> in the Western world in 2020? Well, let's see here. I, you know, as I think about that, it's probably not much different uh, than it meant to be a man in uh, 1920, um, quite honestly, other than uh, maybe in this day and age, there's a lot more distractions, uh, a lot more shiny objects out there. But uh, I think if you boil it right down to uh, the core, if uh, 
if you kind of pursue uh, uh, your journey uh, as being humble, being hungry, and uh, being wise, uh, I think if you if you kind of follow that uh, roadmap, uh, you can be successful uh, no matter what year uh, it is. Uh, you've just got to kind of block out all the distortion and all the distractions that uh, the crazy world of in 1920 has presented us. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, Dale Carlson, my, my football coach, he talked a little bit about uh, being a protector and a provider in, in my last episode. And I think that uh, that definitely falls into what exactly what you're talking about being in, in 1920 and, and even in 2020, but it, it's kind of shifted a little bit and, and you do have to block out those distractions and find out what it truly means to be that protector and provider in, uh, in 2020 today. Um, so talk to us a little bit about right, your, like my phone ringing right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a live recording folks. It's the, uh, it's the beauty of live media. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Business, uh, business never dies. It, uh, duty's always calling, especially, uh, that's right. Especially given that you're, uh, you're running so many things and have so many, uh, wear so many hats, even, even today. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, um, what has shaped your journey as a man and, uh, what, um, what's kind of molded you into the man that you are today? Well, I, I think, uh, obviously, uh, as many people, my earliest influence was, uh, my family life growing up, uh, my mom and my dad, uh, they raised me in a, in a nice home, uh, close to a golf course. So that kind of shaped uh, a little bit of uh, where my uh, career part of my life was, uh, was headed. Uh, so that was kind of my earliest, um, you know, influence. Uh, my dad had a, a big heart. Uh, he would help anybody. Uh, and so I think some of that has kind of been passed on to me because I, I kind of feel that way. Uh, and he was a great people person. So uh, for sure, that was my earliest influence. Uh, I think uh, my relationship with uh, Jesus Christ, uh, which began, uh, that journey began on October 31st, 1972. Uh, obviously, that has had a huge effect on uh, everything in my life and, and still does. Um, and obviously, probably my well, not probably, it is my most important relationship. And uh, it, it's just uh, kind of shaped me that way. Uh, and just a lot of the things, uh, I, I think, you know, just that relationship with Jesus has kind of taught me um, to every day that I wake up, I try to improve mentally, physically, and spiritually. Uh, and if you have that as kind of your uh, your goal each day. Um, I think it helps you uh, just become a better person, help others around you, have a servant's heart. Uh, and that's, you know, what I strive to do now. Some days, you know, are better than others, but uh, uh, that's certainly what I strive to do uh, on a daily basis. Um, so those are, those are kind of the things that uh, have helped me shape and, and uh, daily Bible reading is, is a big thing with me. 
praying daily, um, making time first thing out of the, uh, when you wake up in the morning, setting time aside for those important things, daily exercising, um, and really uh, just thirst to keep learning. I mean, I've been doing this golf thing for 44 years now, but I still have a desire to keep learning. Uh, and and I've, I've just found reading good positive books, um, whether they're golf related or, or not, uh, really keeps me uh, kind of focused and, and uh, trying to, you know, make the best of every day and, and using every minute wisely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, circling back on the, uh, on the, on the reading part of it, the thing that came to mind for me was that, uh, one, the one person that, um, I believe John Maxwell originally said it, but, uh, Dave Ramsey has quoted it several times. I know those are two, uh, two men in the, uh, leadership and business space that we both look up to and admire, uh, that the best leaders are readers. So continually putting, uh, positive and uh, inspiring material in, in your in your brain is is essential uh, in your growth as a person, not just as a man. And uh, a, a pastor of mine used to call the daily devotional time, you know, the Bible reading called it priority time. Uh, he didn't call it a quiet time. He didn't call it a devotional. He called it a priority. That's just just how important the uh, the spiritual aspect of of your life life definitely is. So uh, good stuff there, Raleigh. Thank you. Um, so yep. the next question, I'm going to change gears a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, about fatherhood. Um, so you have, okay. uh, you have two, uh, uh, grown children who are uh, around, right around my age. Um, and yep. then, uh, you, you were blessed with a, uh, a young man, a young son who came along to you later in life. So talk to us a little bit about, uh, the dichotomy between raising your, your first two kids, as opposed to essentially kind of getting a do-over. Um, I guess that's one way to look at it when, you're, uh, when your younger son came along. Just talk to us a little bit about what uh, those two different phases of, uh, of fatherhood has, has been like for you. Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, the children certainly are a great blessing. And, and my first two children, Ryan was my first, and then Courtney uh, came along. Uh, and uh, they were, uh, like you say, they're a little older. Uh, can't even keep track of their ages now. One was born in 81, one was born in 84. Uh, and they're great kids, great hearts. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're uh, walking with the Lord as well. In fact, one's married to a pastor uh, living in Scotland and the other one's uh, uh, a, a professor living in Florida. So um, great kids. Uh, I'll be honest uh, with the first two children, um, my work was demanding the golf business. Uh, I was a head pro when they were growing up. And, uh, unfortunately in the summer months when, uh, the kids are out of school, um, I didn't get to see them much because I was working 12, 14, 16 hour days, uh, at, at the golf course. And unlike Tennessee, uh, Michigan golf is basically April to, uh, September mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, you got to make hay while the sun shines. So in their off months from school, uh, I was super busy. Uh, and then in my quieter times, uh, when I was only working 40, 50 hours a week, uh, 
you know, they're in school. So it was a, it's a weird dichotomy. Uh, and unfortunately I didn't spend as much time as I probably should have with them. You always look back and, and re regret that, which, uh, with them uh, I do, but, uh, great kids, uh, their hearts in the right spot. And, uh, you, you're just blessed to have, uh, good solid citizens as, as kids. And, uh, they were great students and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just amazing how time flies and now they're into their thirties. And, uh, but now, uh, the new chapter in life, I have actually, uh, you haven't been in contact with me for a while, but I have a freshman in high school and I have a third grader as well oh wow so, okay yeah I, yeah it uh, shows you how long it's been <laughs> since we've reconnected i, I apologize raleigh i uh, yeah, i yeah, I, no I remember you had uh, mentioned your uh, last time i guess the last time we had talked it's been probably been about 10 or 11 years ago um sure and yeah. uh i remember you you had mentioned that uh, you, you had a, a younger son come along and and i didn't realize you had uh You'd even a blessed. younger son yeah i didn't realize you had been blessed <laughs> with another younger son so yeah. yeah so uh take us through what it's been like uh raising younger kids and kind of having that uh being a father the second time around yeah so reichert is now going to be a freshman uh he is a freshman at school and uh, reed is in third grade and uh they are two boys that are full of energy and uh obviously i'm an older father so i have uh I've always tried to be, you know, very conscious of being in good shape, but now I've had to be even more conscious of it because trying to keep up with a 14 year old and a nine year old is, uh, is a bit of a challenge. So I can I, imagine. Uh, <laughs> when I found out that I was having a second uh, child, well, a fourth child at that point, but, uh, uh, the second child later in life, uh, I decided that, uh, I better, really start upping the exercising uh, program. So I set the goal of uh, trying to run a half marathon in every state. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, and I have run uh, every day since I found out that we were having read. Uh, so I've run now 3,587 days in a row. So, wow. That's impressive. Uh, <laughs> but it's all for the sake of trying to keep up, uh, with those guys, you know, but, uh, but it's been, it's been a blast. Uh, they both are into sports heavily, which obviously I am, uh, being a golf professional, mm -hmm. um, uh, Reichert's first love is, is golf Reed's first love is baseball, but they both play golf. And, uh, so it's been fun taking them to golf tournaments and, uh, and that type of thing. But most importantly, uh, that they're good, solid citizens that they they love the lord um and they're you know they believe in jesus and uh you know that's the most important thing um but uh they're healthy even in these covid times uh not yes much, thankfully yeah yeah not much in favor of the mask program but uh you know that's uh it's been been an awesome experience uh kind of two different spectrums i'm i'm you know, kind of learned my lesson with, uh, Ryan and Courtney that I better spend more time with, um, you know, Reichert and Reed. And so I have been able to do that a little bit more as, as, uh, you know, I've, uh, hired a little bit more help so I can be home a little bit more and, uh, 
but I can tell you that uh, they're a gift from God and, and it's been a blessing to have all four kids and I'm super proud of, of their character and, and how they love the Lord. Excellent. Yeah, I can I can hear it in your voice how proud of you are how proud you are of them and and just what a huge blessing that's been for you and and the running too. That's that's very that's very very impressive for me. I I've been in and out of running for the last uh, oh for the last ten to twelve years or so and and I can tell you that training for uh, those half marathons is is quite an undertaking. So. Uh, yeah. kudos, kudos to you on that and uh, <laughs> congratulations on uh, on everything surrounding your children that's uh, that's you. great so your younger yeah. ones are they uh, are they members of the of the tours yeah they both play uh Rikert's played a lot of the tour events this year is actually won an event or two and oh great uh, yeah and reed also um so they're they're doing okay there's always room for improvement until you shoot an 18 i guess there's always a uh, <laughs> right right yeah yeah, so. yeah. That, that's that's true that's true <laughs> yeah yeah so but it's been fun it's uh but you know i try not to push it on to them i mean if it's if it's their thing then that's great but uh i've been around enough parents to know that uh uh, you don't want to be a pushy parent uh, in that respect. So true, true. Yeah, I'm sure you could uh, you could tell some stories about some some pushy parents, which you know. Oh maybe, yeah. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe I'll sit you down with uh, with the guy with our our teaching pro here at Franklin Bridge, and and you guys can compare notes. He he's run a uh, PGA tour. Or he's run a PGA Junior League out out here this summer, and. Yeah. Uh, He's, do, he's doing something called um, uh, Operation 36, I think, where he's working yep. with kids who are just so, you you know, you're familiar with yep. the program. That's a so, great program. Yeah, yeah. he's, yep. he's yep. started one of those here at, at our local club. And um, so, yeah, maybe uh, maybe sometime in the future when things kind of <laughs> slow down for, for both of you, I could get you both on uh, get you both on a Zoom call and, uh, and just let you guys kind of talk it out. Maybe that'd be a good, uh, good, good one for uh, for Masters Week. We'll have to keep that in the back pocket. <laughs> there you go It'd be a good venting session anyway. yeah 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 definitely yeah yeah okay uh so kind of switching gears a little bit from from fatherhood and uh um, from talking about uh about parents um you and i um knew cross paths with a young man uh named uh named Bo uh Bo man he uh was not only my coworker um, when I worked for you, but he was also one of my classmates at Tri-State University in the uh, golf management program. Um, and Bo in, uh, I believe it was, was it 2001? Was it December? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Um, uh, Bo was, uh, was taken, taken from us um, all too soon. And, I know that, uh, that his passing had a, uh, it had a profound impact on you, had a, uh, had a pretty big impact on, on me and everyone in the, uh, in the golf management program at Tri-State. Um, that next football season, I wore his, uh, oh, wow. I wasn't expecting for me to break up there. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, wore, wore his, for all of us. Yeah. yeah, wore his initials over my heart on the uh, T-shirt that I wore under under my shoulder pads uh, on game day. Um, if you could just talk to us a little bit about about Bo, uh, talk about your memories, uh, your memories of him, and uh, what lessons that his legacy can teach us going forward. Sure. 
Well, you know, I've, like I say, I've been doing this golf thing for a long time. I've hired well over 500 people, uh, in those days. And, uh, uh, Bo was one of the most memorable, uh, characters that I, uh, ever hired. He was a man full of energy. Uh, he was full of joy. He, uh, uh, always had a positive attitude. Uh, people were drawn to him, always had a smile on his face. Um, and I mean, he was just, he was a great employee. I mean, uh, in the golf business, uh, we're kind of in the entertainment business and, and he was an entertainer. He was a people person and, oh, yes. and, yeah. and, uh, he could make everybody smile. And, uh, he was kind of, uh, uh the face of our, our junior tour. The kids loved him. Uh, and, uh, everything about him was, was super positive. Um, and, you know, I couldn't wait for him to kind of keep advancing in our operation, uh, kind of up the ranks. He was an intern at that point. Uh, but I could see, you know, a great future in, in whatever he chose to do, obviously was in, in school to uh, pursue the golf business. Um, and, and, uh, I, I think he had great opportunities or, would have had great opportunities down the road for that. But, uh, but unfortunately uh, he went home during uh, Christmas break and uh, never came back. He was in an auto accident and uh, lost his life. Uh, you know, probably only 21 or 22 years old. I'm not even sure, mm -hmm. but uh, it did. It had a profound in impact on me as it did uh, pretty much all of our staff members. I think all kind of went down, uh, he lived in Southern Ohio, Cadiz, I think, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, was the name of the town. Uh, just a small little burg. Uh, we all, as a staff, went down to the funeral, and it's just tough. I mean, to to see somebody that young have uh, a promising life snuffed out, and it just kind of, I think, it woke everybody up a little bit that uh, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Um, so live your life today uh, like it means something uh, and uh, you know he just uh, you know if everybody could have the characteristics he uh, displayed uh, you know we the world would be a better place for sure but uh, you know there's still a, a hole in my heart with uh, with him and I think about him often and uh, uh, as you know in our back room there we've got staff uh, pictures of the staff through mm -hmm. the, the years and, uh, you know, Bo's in that picture. And every time I look at that, it's, it's kind of a sad deal, but, uh, but yet at the same time, it's, it's, it brings a smile to my face because he was always smiling. So, um, yeah, but you know, the lesson that we can all learn from that is, uh, like I say, we're not guaranteed to tomorrow. So, uh, let's make sure we do today what uh, we can be proud of, uh, if, if this is our, our, our day, you know, so, uh, yeah, tough times, but, uh, great memories of Bo. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, even, even when I interacted with him on campus, you know, he was the same on campus as he was, as he was when I, you know, when I worked with him, uh, when he and I were coworkers there at, at the foundation. Um, I don't think I was working tour events that summer that I, uh, that I worked with him there because I was training for, uh, training for football. But, um, 
so I couldn't couldn't do the uh, couldn't do the travel schedule because I needed to to stay back and and train and be ready for the for the season. But uh, sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, Bo was just, he was one of those people. He just always had, uh, always had a twinkle in his eye. Always had a, like you said, always had a smile on his face. He was, he was truly someone that if you could put his attitude into anybody else who is in any kind of a service industry, you would have a great employee because he really acted like he was, and I'm sure that it wasn't just an act. I'm sure he was genuinely and right. genuinely acted like he was happy to see you and happy to to help you and happy to, uh, to be encouraging to you. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, we'll just, we'll, we all tremendously miss him. And, um, I, I had actually that, that summer before he passed, I had actually left to left the foundation to move on to, uh, what was going to be my internship, uh, for, for tri-state. And, uh, I, didn't hear about his passing until you had, uh, you had sent out uh, a letter to everyone who was on the staff that, uh, that worked with him. And, uh, that was, uh, that was, that was a sad moment when I got that letter. Cause I, I wasn't expecting to, uh, to get anything from you and, and, uh, and to, to get, get that was, um, was pretty, uh, was, was pretty heart wrenching and it was, it was pretty sad, but just to know, just to know, to think back, think back on the happy times and, and, um, just how, how he was towards everyone else. That's, that's what, uh, that's what you got to remember. So, um, and I would just to, to, to coin a phrase or create a hashtag in this day and age, just, uh, just be like Bo treat people like Bo would. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, finally to wrap up this first segment here, um, you, you are very, uh, very strong, strong Christian, um, very devout, Christian and a man of faith. Um, you're actually one of the influences that, uh, drew me to, to my faith in Jesus Christ. So, um, I thank you for that. I, I thank you for reflecting those qualities and of, uh, of Jesus Christ that, that drew, drew me, drew me to that and drew me to that lifestyle. Um, so I, Talk to to us a little bit more about your uh, your testimony and how uh, how you became to be uh, a disciple of Jesus Christ and um, a little bit about your own faith journey through the years and and maybe to someone who's listening to this podcast that might be on the fence about giving their lives over to Christ and pursuing a a Christian lifestyle what what type of encouragement what type of advice would you uh, would you give to them. That's a whole lot of questions there, John. But uh, <laughs> so kind of all I wrapped guess, up into one, yeah. <laughs> that's right. So I guess to well, we got an hour. With, we got an hour. There we go. So, uh, so first of all, regarding your acceptance of Jesus Christ, it's all that's all power of prayer because every morning I start my uh, uh, day with prayer, and uh, one of the things I have on my prayer list is all my staff members that. Uh, um, that if they don't know you, that they would come to know you. So uh, you're one of the ones that obviously um, that prayer was answered for. So that's uh, that's an encouragement to me to hear that, you know. Um, so that's uh, kind of to start out with that. That uh, relates to you. Um, as far as my own journey, uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, uh, it started back uh, when I was still in high school uh, was attending a church 
Um, and we had some overnight uh, uh, gathering where uh, I, that night, it was happened to be Halloween night of all things, uh, um, gave my life to Christ uh, on October 31st, 1972. And uh, just, uh, you know, and I'd always gone to church because my mom made me go to church, but, you know, it really never uh, sunk in how important it was until that particular night. And then after that, it was, uh, you know, a, a great learning process, getting into the word and, and uh, you know, daily Bible reading and daily prayer. Um, and, you know, you can... <laughs> You can never um, get into the word enough. I mean, uh, I try to devote an hour every morning now um, to reading and praying and journaling. I think all of those things are important to uh, that's just my time alone with God. Uh, you know, some people call it quiet time, devotional time, whatever you want to call it. It's just my time to be with God and I can talk to him. He can talk to me. Uh, and, and that's what gets me through every day because, you know, there's, there's a lot of stresses in the world, especially as a, a business owner. And certainly this year has been more stressful than most when, you know, the governor of our state makes you shut down uh, your business for <laughs> um, however long, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, you kind of wonder uh, what's going to happen next. And, and certainly with all the craziness of the upcoming election and how everything's been so politicized, you don't know what to believe and what not to believe. I just need to get away from all that. And uh, that hour every morning gives me the strength um, to get through every day. And uh, I think, you know, as far as saying uh, to someone who's on the fence about giving their lives to Christ, I mean, if, you, if you're on the fence, I mean, there's only two directions. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. And I think that's a pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty easy choice to make. Um, and, and, you know, you've just got to um, decide what's, what's important, your eternal life or, or, you know, this life on earth, which is, um, is, is uh, short. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, as we talked about in the previous question, yeah, it's it can right. be can be very short. Absolutely. Sure. So, um, so as far as being on the fence, uh, you know, I've lived on both sides of that fence. Uh, obviously, the first um, seventeen years of my life, I I was blind to the fact of um, what was on the other side of the fence, and uh, now I'm thankfully on the right side of the fence, and. Uh, uh, you know, that's uh, not to say that life is easy by any means. I mean, life is hard. And, uh, um, but it's a lot easier if you've got the Lord on your side. And uh, it's, uh, I just think that uh, uh, everybody's character uh, just becomes better when you've got that light uh, shining in your life and that uh, and you become a, a servant to others. And, and, life just becomes more purposeful um, when you have Christ in your life. Amen. Well, as, as they, uh, as they say down here, that'll, that'll preach for sure. Thank, 
thanks you Raleigh for uh, for sharing that with us I really Absolutely. do, really do yep. appreciate that so so that wraps up our first segment here so in our uh, in our second segment we're gonna go over some uh, some business related related questions uh, talk a little bit about what life has been like for Raleigh is um, running essentially multiple businesses at once in the sense of uh, being a golf professional and running running a golf shop and running these these fantastic junior tours that uh, that he's been running over the last um 20 21 22 years oh john you're way off way off this was our 27th 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 year you're the math guy (laughs) yeah we've just uh, finished uh I think we're up to 1,060 events that we've run on the tour now. So, well, well, we'll talk about all that and more here on our next segment here at the, of the M60 podcast. Uh, hang with us, and uh, hopefully, uh, between now and then, my my math will get a little bit better. One thing that we've been able to do, at least in this part of the world during this whole COVID pandemic, is get out on the golf course and play some golf, enjoy nature, enjoy time with our friends. One of the things that's drawn me back to the game of golf is when I do hit that good shot, when I do shoot that low score. And what can we do to get better at golf? Well, we can be like everybody else and watch Golf Channel for hours on end. We can get on YouTube and watch instructional videos and not have any kind of feel for what they're trying to teach us in those videos and you can follow certain accounts on Instagram and act like you're getting good information and improving your game or what I recommend you do is you can become a student of the game of golf. The best way to do that is pick up a copy of my friend Scott Hassey's book The Champions Playbook Thinking Your Way to Lower Scores. In this book Scott will take you through seven courses about how to sharpen your course strategy, everywhere from having a plan, developing that plan, developing your own instincts, knowing the actual distances that you hit your clubs, and a whole lot more. Scott also has a podcast that he produces weekly here in Franklin, Tennessee. You can tune in to that. It's great stuff. I'll have links for both in the description below. But be sure to pick up a copy of his book, The Champion's Playbook, It's available on Amazon, and as I said, a link will be in the description below. Also, a link to his podcast, the Champions Playbook Podcast, will also be in the description below. Welcome back to the M60 Podcast. I am here with my very first boss, friend, and mentor, Mr. Raleigh Freisinger. We just got through talking a little bit about the, the masculine journey and, and his own faith journey. And now we're going to change gears a little bit and talk a little bit about uh, the golf business and his journey as a, the, uh, the founder and president of the Game of Your Life Foundation and uh, get a little get a little insight on, on what that journey has been like. So Raleigh to, uh, to start off, you have been involved with the golf business for 
pretty much all of your professional life. So tell us a little bit about how you got your start in the business and, and what has kept you in, in this business all these years, because um, we, you've uh, alluded to it and I've alluded to it a couple of times. And, and uh, uh, Scott Hassey, who was my guest on episode nine, the teaching pro here in Franklin, um, he's alluded to about how difficult of a business that the golf business is. So what's, uh, what's kept you in the business for all these years? Well, I got my start uh, because my dad was a golf fanatic and he uh, built the first house on a, a golf course called Lake James Golf Course in Angola, Indiana. So, oh, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I grew up um, on that golf course, um, got my first job at age 14, shagging balls for the pro and cleaning carts and you know, all the things that, uh, you do when you're a cart boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was at age 14 and then just kind of progressed through the ranks of, uh, then, uh, mowing green, setting pins, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then, uh, went to tri-state university, which is now Trine university, uh, to play golf and went as business management major as well. And, uh, in my junior year, uh, at Lake James golf course, um, a position opened up because the old pro left and they needed somebody to run the pro shop. And I've always been kind of entrepreneurial in my uh, spirit. And so I said, uh, as a junior in college, I'll jump, jump right in there and, um, I'll run the show for you. So, uh, it started when, uh, as far as th- that side of the business, not mowing greens or fairways or roughs anymore. Um, in the pro shop started it when I was a junior in, in, in college and uh, just kind of went on from there, became involved in the PGA, uh, got my class A status and uh, was uh, eight years at Lake James as the pro, then got recruited here to Coldwater to be the head pro at uh, the Coldwater Country Club was head pro there for 22 years. Um, and then that's when I had the brilliant idea of the juniors had no opportunities in uh, 1993 because we had fantastic junior players playing at our club because uh, we had a great junior program. We had some of the best players in the state there. But when it came to the summer months, uh, there really wasn't any opportunities for kids to play golf. So I decided that I would uh, start a PGA tour for kids uh, that were younger and uh, give them opportunities in the summer months. Uh, And thus I formed a nonprofit corporation called game of your life foundation. And uh, started out that first year with 196 kids which for the first year, I thought, you know, that's not too bad. Uh, but I was still head pro at, at Coldwater at that time. So, you know, I could manage 196 kids and Coldwater Country Club at the same time. The next year, it grew to 400 kids. The next year after that, it grew to 700 kids. And that's when it became obvious that I can't be the head pro and try to run keep track of 700 kids uh, uh, running tournaments. Uh, so 
I resigned my position at Coldwater, built the Foundation Golf Center, which is a 30-acre practice facility that's been the home of uh, the Game of Your Life Foundation ever since. So this is, I think, our 23rd year. That was 1997 when I built this facility. And uh, you came on shortly thereafter and mm-hmm. were, yeah. was, was an employee for four years there. But uh, um, so, you know, it's always been you know, kind of entrepreneurial. That's why I'm so, uh, you know, I really like the Dave Ramsey philosophy of things with the entree leadership. And um, so, you know, I, I, I like starting things from scratch and, and building them into something. And uh, the most gratifying thing to me in this whole golf business has been, you know, that we've been able to give back um, in, in scholarships to deserving uh, student athletes. I think we've given 283 scholarships uh, out now in the 27 years we've been doing this, and the dollar amount is 477,500 dollars. But who's keeping track? You know? <laughs> um, so it's well, been well, nice. I, when I said a, close to a half a million dollars, that that sounds a little bit better. So I don't know, maybe you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But you know, it's uh, that's been the neat part, and the memories and the the great kids that have come through. We've had over 16,000 kids participate in the tour. Some have gone on to play on the PGA tour or the LPGA tour. Um, And and some have gone on to play in the NHL and some have gone on to be doctors and some have gone on to be lawyers. And, you know, but the thing I'm most proud of is that, you know, 99.9% of them have gone on to be, great citizens of this country so um you know i think golf does that for people it, it instills in them uh, a lot of great characteristics of integrity um you know it's the only sport where you call penalties on yourself mm-hmm, um yes. uh, you know you're outdoors it's healthy you're walking you know six seven miles every time you're playing 18 holes i mean there's just so many good qualities uh, about this sport. Uh, and that's why I've, you know, stuck with it because I, I think, you know, I love all sports, but if you look at golf, um, you know, it's generally very good people. I think the PGA tour, uh, has given back more in charity than any other, uh, professional sports organization. Uh, the people are really good people. I mean, you don't hear of, um, you know, some of the troubles you hear in, in other sports where, you know, people yeah. are in jail and what have you, uh, yeah, uh, for a multitude it, of, of illicit reasons. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's, it's just, uh, there's my phone again. See, <laughs> business never stops. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, it's, it's just been a great journey. Um, you know, for, for 44 years, I've met so many good people, um, you know, and then, you know, when I got started in the business in the seventies, golf was booming. Oh my goodness. People just don't want to stop <laughs> ringing that phone. But uh, it, it's, it's been, you know, a lot of ups and downs in the business uh, right now. This, this COVID thing has been a terrible, terrible thing for our country, but mm-hmm. for the golf business, it's, really really helped us i mean i've never seen golf as strong as it is now uh goes clear back to 
um, the uh, 70s um, when it was this busy. So it's it's uh, it's just been it's, it's been a terrible thing for the country, but for golf it's been good, and I and I hope it continues. And uh, you know, it, it's just something that we've got to uh, hope that this COVID thing goes away, but uh, golf continues to grow. Yes. So, uh, yeah. so that's that's you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of been my. Uh, uh, my years in golf, uh, my relationships. Uh, I mean, I've had so many good employees. I've had so many good people as members and, and uh, so, met so many good families. I mean, I could write a book about our tour experiences. It's, uh, it's just been an amazing, amazing uh, journey. And, uh, you know, hopefully there's many more years left uh, as, as we continue to try to provide opportunities for, for young people through golf and uh, keep giving scholarships. I, I mean, when I started this back in uh, 1994, my goal was to give away a million dollars in scholarships. We've, we've still got a long, long way to go to get to that. Uh, but, uh, you know, my prayer is that we can help as many young people as, as we possibly can uh, through the great game of golf. Oh, great. Yeah. And, and I can tell you even the, uh, how, how small of a world and how far reaching, um, your influence in golf has been, um, at the little course in little Lewisburg, Tennessee, where I got my, um, start in the turf grass side of the business. I, uh, was, I, I actually met a young girl who grew up in Michigan and played on, uh, at that time, it was the, well, it was your junior tour, uh, the power belt junior tour at the time. And, mm-hmm. um, and met, she was working in the, in the pro shop at this, at this golf course. And she, uh, was, um, she worked there during the summers, but she went to Lipscomb university and played on the golf team, uh, there Lipscomb university here in Nashville. And, um, uh, she actually introduced me to one of her friends and set us up on a blind date and we wound up dating for a few months. So her, oh. so, and she had also played on the power built tour at the, right around the same time that I was working for you. So that just shows you That's the, uh, yeah. yeah, the, the influence that you've had, uh, and all the way, you know, all the way down to, uh, to little Lewisburg, Tennessee and Saddle Creek golf club where I was working. So very so cool. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into a few of those, uh, a few of those things that you had, had kind of covered there in your answer. Um, so you are the, uh, the, the founder and president of what is hands down, in my opinion, the, the most, the best and the most successful junior golf tournament series in the country, most likely the world. I, I would take your achievements in the golf business and your achievements for junior golf and put them up against anything that anybody uh, around the world has ever done for the game of golf. So what, what does it take to build a winning organization like that and, and to keep it successful for uh, year, year upon year for, for almost 30 years now? What, uh, what are some things, cause you were doing, you were doing and teaching a lot of things that uh, you had mentioned the entree leadership philosophy that Dave Ramsey teaches. You were doing and teaching some of those philosophies um, even way before I had even heard about Dave Ramsey or even before his business curriculum kind of gained popularity. So talk to us a little bit about uh, your, your journey in that regard and, and what it takes to run a, a winning business like that. So 
to create a winning culture, it takes the right people uh, that that uh, are your teammates, are your staff members, uh, and I, I think you just need to guide and direct them into um, letting them know what the expectations are. Um, you know, and obviously now being somewhat of a veteran doing this, I think I know what works. I know what doesn't work. Uh, kind of one of the things that I, I try to do uh, every year as I bring in a new staff, because we bring in a lot of interns. Um, and as you know, the, the tour can be kind of a grind because there's a lot of travel. There are a lot of long days. Um, but, you know, we bring them in a little bit early. We try to, you know, show them that this is a team, uh, that we're only as strong as our weakest link. And, uh, so we all need to be at our best. And I try every year to maybe, uh, have them before the season gets really crazy, read a good book, um, that, you know, teaches them character principles, teaches them business principles. Um, you know, some of the, uh, books that, you know, I've, I've had people read before, See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar, a very positive uh, uh, mindset type of book uh, and really is, uh, helps you uh, with some business uh, uh, tactics as well. Uh, one, one of the more recent ones has been The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. Uh, that's been a really good one. Uh, I'm really into a lot of the John Gordon books now. Um, you know, the carpenter, uh, is one I just recently read. Um, so, I mean, there's just a ton of good books out there that, uh, you know, and all the Dave Ramsey books obviously are, are, have good principles and, and can guide you certainly in financial, uh, as well as how to lead your life as well. Um, so those type of things that the more seeds you can plant in your mind uh, that are positive and pure and uh, good for you, uh, the more that's going to rub off on your team players. Um, and that's where it all starts. Uh, we just sent out a survey recently um, to all of our tour members and, you know, what do you like about the tour? What do you dislike? And, I'll, you know, 90% of them says, what we really like is the good, friendly staff that you have. And, uh, you know, that's where it all starts. It's all about relationships and, and how you treat other people. It's just the golden rule. Uh, treat other people like you want to be treated. And uh, so I think that's, uh, you know, it's just basic, simple stuff. Mm -hmm. it's, I think the world's gotten too complicated sometimes. Uh, you just got to go back to the basics and uh, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. And uh, it doesn't cost anything to smile, doesn't cost anything to treat people nice. Uh, so just do those simple things. And uh, it's amazing how things come back to you then. Uh, if, if that's how you treat people, um, you know, typically good things are going to happen. So I, I, you know, there's no, it's not rocket science to me, John, it's just, simple how you treat people and and just be genuine in how you treat them and uh you know if you've got kids out there on the junior tour that 
cheat, you've got to bring them in line. Uh, and unfortunately you see that every once in a while, but, mm -hmm. uh, they're only, as they say, they're only cheating themselves, but, uh, we want to be, uh, making a level playing field and make sure that, uh, everybody's playing by the rules. Uh, so because golf is just a micro micronism of, uh, of life. Uh, you're going to have some double bogeys sometimes and, and uh, other days you're going to have birdies, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it isn't rocket science. It's just uh, let's, let's bring common sense back to the world. And I think that's something that maybe is <laughs> seemed to have fled the world here. Yeah. We could, we could start a whole new podcast about how <laughs> there's no common sense left for sure. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, and, and one thing that I, I do want to uh, commend you on and, and, and thank you for actually um, I still have that copy of uh, see you at the top that you gave me almost uh, a little over 20 years ago when I was working for you that, that you had signed for me. Um, still have that copy. I think it's, uh, it's on my bookshelf here in the living room where I'm doing, doing my recording. But, uh, uh -huh. and one thing that I also still have that, uh, that I treasure that, uh, um, what I, what I really liked what you did was, uh, you, every pay period, you, uh, every paycheck, you put a personalized letter in that paycheck to, uh, to whoever the paycheck was going to. And then you had a staff newsletter that updated everybody on the staff of what was going on with the, with the tours and with the company. And my, my first couple of years there, I, I was, I, you know, jokingly called myself the ball boy because I spent most of my time <laughs> sitting in the, uh, the range picker and getting it stuck some days and getting it unstuck, you know, other days and, you know, right, depending right, on, yeah. you know, so, but I, I really felt like I was uh, a, a huge part. I really felt like I was uh, a part of the team when I, when I got paid and when I got that personalized letter from you and when I got that uh, staff newsletter and, and read over what was going on with the, with the company, I really felt like I was a lot more involved than, than, than I actually was because uh, and I, I still have those uh, I still have those letters that you wrote to me uh, today, kept them with me. Uh, throughout my adult adult life so that uh wow that's <laughs> well thank you that's that's impressive that's yeah and I, I think that's a big thing uh communication is huge uh when you talk about you know how do you stay successful communication is a is a big key and i always did that because my staff members were are, are special and uh i i can't even fathom to guess how many personalized handwritten letters uh that i've uh, written through the years but uh you know that kind of brings up something uh just let's see what's today thursday we had a tournament uh monday at uh, country club of lansing and a, a 10 year old girl uh handed me a little package and of course we're running the tournament so i didn't think anything of it until you know i brought it home and then I, I open it up and it's a two-page uh handwritten letter of course kids today don't know how to do cursive so it's uh, <laughs> all right yeah yeah so that's uh, another thing i want to commend you on is you always, you always had you, you have great <laughs> handwriting my my parents always kind of teased me about that they're like why can't you you know you should uh, emulate raleigh's handwriting he's got good handwriting so, anyway uh, con continue <laughs> yeah but i mean it was it's the most in fact i've got it tacked to my uh 
wall right here uh, because it just meant so much to me. And it brought me to tears because, you know, here's uh, a 10 year old kid that the tours meant so much uh, to uh, that. She took time and wrote a full two page uh, letter to me, um, you know, that, uh, you know, like is it always, it says you always made my day by making me laugh. You're one of the most funny, awesome, kindest and generous persons I've ever met. You always make the air around you so much brighter. I mean, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's priceless. Uh, and, and so the power of the written word, I think is, is, uh, tremendous. Uh, and the power of the spoken word is tremendous too. So we've got to always be careful in our speech and, and, uh, in what we write. But I think those are important things to, um, make people feel important because, you know, the people around you that are part of your team are, they make or break your business. So, yeah, definitely. And one thing too, about, about that open communication that, um, that reduces gossip because people, you know, the person that's, that's maybe not, that might have an opinion on how the tour is running. Well, if they don't know what's going on or they just, or they're just solely consumed with what, what they're doing, you know, they, that's, that's an opportunity for them to, to sow discord. But if they, if they know what's going on and, and there's, there's transparency there that they don't necessarily have a leg to stand on, or they may understand the situation differently and change their own, their own opinion of that. So that's a, that's something that came to mind while you were mentioning that too, because gossip can really kill an organization. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's why the Dave Ramsey Corporation is so successful because they will not tolerate gossip. Yes. You, yep. If you gossip, you won't be an employee there. <laughs> right. Uh, yep. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, it, that's, yep. Uh, just that's so good seeds and uh, keep the weeds out of the organization. Right. Yes. So. Yep. Definitely. So t- uh, touching back on the, uh, on the junior tours here, um, talk to us uh, um maybe give us about two three two or three names that uh, are are notable alumni of of the tours um that we would know from um the from the PGA tour or the LPGA tour as you were saying and then maybe some uh, notable alumni who have achieved um who, who have gone on to achieve success in other areas of life uh, off of the golf course that maybe necess- don't didn't necessarily uh go on into the golf business, but they've excelled in other areas. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I'll give you one PGA player and one LPGA player to make it, uh, equal. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. so the, so the PGA player, uh, we still actually, um, have close ties with, and his name is Brian Stewart, uh, which probably many people, uh, haven't really heard of him, but he's very, very successful. Uh, out on the PGA tour. He played on our tour was player of the year. And I believe it was 2005 uh, that he was our player of the year. Uh, And he's been, and then he went to Oakland university had a successful collegiate career there and then uh, played a few years on the, I think back then it was called the whole tour it's now called the corn ferry tour mm, but he graduated yeah. to the pga tour and he's been on the pga tour now for i don't know six seven years he's uh won over nine million dollars uh and 
uh, Gary Robinson, who still teaches here at our uh, facility in Coldwater, is still Brian's teacher. He was Brian's teacher okay. way back when he was 14, 15 years old. And uh, he still continues. In fact, Gary is out in Las Vegas right now where the PGA Tour is playing. Uh, unfortunately, Brian missed the cut last week. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, he's had a successful career. He, he actually led uh, the Las Vegas uh, event last week for a bit. He was seven under, but then he had a terrible day the second day and missed the cut. But so Brian Stewart, uh, one of the quietest kids. And, and you'd, you'd never know back when he was 14, 15 years old, that he was going to go on to have such great success. I mean, $9 million is not a bad haul when you're playing golf. Yeah. Um, so he, he's done very well that way. Uh, and like I say, one of the quietest uh, people you'd ever meet. Uh, but that's uh, one successful guy on the tour. Then uh, a name that's uh, maybe a little more familiar, Morgan Pressel. Uh, she played on our tour for a couple of years. She was the youngest person to ever qualify for the U.S. Open at age 13. Uh, and she went on to win a major on the LPGA tour. Uh, and she's still out there playing, uh, not playing as much these days. But, uh, uh, you know, she's won millions of dollars out on the tour as well. So those are two uh, people that have had great success out on the uh, on the professional tours and we've got many 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 more uh that have made it to the pga and lpga tour and you know some years they uh, keep their card some years they don't then they drop back to the symmetra tour or the uh, uh corn Ferry tour so it's a tough way to make a living but uh certainly uh, brian and morgan are two people that have uh, certainly made it pay off mm -hmm. um and so those are the two that come readily to mind. And then as far as successful people outside of the, um, you know, a golf world, Steve Kampfer uh, played on our tour. Um, and he actually went on to uh, University of Michigan to play uh, college golf or college golf, college hockey. Hmm. And, okay. uh, and then uh, actually went on then to play uh, professionally in the NHL and actually was on the Boston Bruins when they won a Stanley cup. And okay. I, oh, wow. I don't know if he played this year. Yeah. So he's, uh, you know, I thought that name sounded a little familiar. I've, Stanley I've be cup. yeah, I've become a bit of a, of a hockey nerd here over the last, you know, since I've been living, living in Nashville and with the, the, the predators being, you know, being my, my team now, I've become a bit of a, of a hockey nerd and and uh i that, that name did uh, rung a bell there for for a bit when you mentioned that but uh um any yeah. anyone else maybe that uh, that you would want to bring up in in that role i know you've had so many fantastic young people come through the tour and and are alumni of the of the junior tours there well what's what's kind of neat now um is uh, we obviously the summer months are, we're super busy going to the courses in the winter months. Uh, we're contracting with the courses, trying to set up, uh, the events, the schedule for the next year. And, uh, it's amazing, uh, at this point, how many times I'll call a golf course to try to get them on the schedule. 
where it's the pro is somebody that used to play on the junior tour. Wow. I mean, I would say, you know, two, uh, uh, a third to maybe a half of the courses we go to, there are uh, alumni of the junior tour on the professional staff there. So, um, and what makes me real feel really old is now I've got kids that are kids of kids that used to play uh, on our junior tour. So uh, we're getting a second generation coming through now uh, where the parents used to play on the tour and now their kids are playing the tour. So um, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, it certainly makes me feel uh, ancient. I, I would say that's a, that's a great thing. That just shows the, the fantastic influence that you've had over the, uh, over the years and, and on the game of golf in, in Michigan and in the, in the, around the country. So I, I would just, I would commend you on that also. Just, um, that's, uh, that's really, those are some, some really amazing, uh, stats and, uh, and, and anecdotes there. Um, yeah, it's cool. Um, what um, what has it meant to you to uh, uh, to award so many scholarship dollars through the uh, through the Game of Your Life Foundation over the course of your career, not only as a as a business leader but but as uh, someone who's a disciple of Jesus Jesus Christ? Well, I, I think uh, I mean uh, we've had twenty seven uh, award banquets, and that's where we always give out our awards, not only just for the scholarships, but for the players of the year and the lowest stroke average. So it's, it's a, a very feel good night. It's one of my favorite nights of the year that we're able to give back um, so much to these kids and, and, you know, help them out uh, for their uh, college careers, most of which are going on to play college golf. Uh, so it means a lot. Uh, and as I've, you know, progressed in my career, uh, the times that are most fulfilling for me are the times where you can help the people the most. Um, so the more you can give, uh, to me, it just is, just gives you a feeling of accomplishment and that, you know, this, this tour has been uh, successful, um, you know, giving kids opportunities, uh, to play golf, to experience golf, to experience the great outdoors. Uh, but more importantly that we, we've been able to give back and hopefully what that means, uh, from the Christian standpoint is that just hopefully they can see the light shining through, um, and, uh, that they can see that, you know, hopefully myself and, and our staff members have a servant's heart that we're trying to uh, do good things. Um, and, and so I just hope that that shines through on those award banquet nights and uh, not just then, but every event. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the legacy and, and the light uh, that I want to shine through this tour. Amen. Amen. So, uh, switching gears here for a little bit, we're on our last two questions. So, uh, you're, you're almost there. Um, Whoa, it's been like a marathon, there, John. <laughs> what's, uh, 
well, we're we're trying to get in deep here and get uh, <laughs> get get some some good stuff out of you. And, and it's it, it has been uh, a re- really great catching up with you and and really great uh, doing this interview here. So uh, switching gears to a little bit uh, current events here, um, you had mentioned it that uh, there's been a huge huge spike in the golf business here over this past summer. Um, not only, not only there in Michigan, but, uh, down here in, uh, in Tennessee, it's been, uh, it's been a huge deal because partially because it's golf is one of the few things that you can actually go out and gather and, and do with your friends during, during the lockdowns and during the pandemic. Uh, and there's naturally some social distancing already built into it. Um, but God willing this, uh, the, the COVID pandemic, you know, it'll, it'll blow over and it'll finally, uh, ease up and come to an end where we can finally get back to some type of normalcy here. But with, with that being said, where do you see the game of golf as a whole going from here and, and what, what needs to be done to keep the game growing and keeping, keep it as strong as, uh, as it is now, or there's some things that maybe need to change some things that should stay the same. What, uh, what are your thoughts on that being, uh, being the seasoned veteran of the business that you are? Well, I think golf is well positioned to keep growing. Uh, I think the PGA Tour was the first professional sports organization to come back uh, to play live events. Um, And so I think that helped while there was no sports on TV. um, Golf was on TV. And I think it gave people that normally wouldn't watch golf uh, an opportunity to watch golf Uh, and certainly through my operation here I've seen people that never thought of playing golf walk through the door now and giving it a try because in Michigan there's two things you can do you can wear a mask or you can play golf (laughs) that's about it in Michigan we're pretty well locked down so um, and uh, they've They've uh, enjoyed being outdoors uh, and, uh, you know, the social distancing is just kind of a natural thing with golf because you're outdoors. You've got, you know, 120 or more acres that you're uh, walking on. Uh, So it's good exercise. Um, uh, But what what can we do to sustain it? I guess that's the key question. And, Mm -hmm. And I think the PGA is doing a lot of good things as an organization, uh, uh, targeting a lot of youth, uh, getting more youth involved. The PGA Junior League is a huge thing that they started a few years ago, and that's got kids involved that maybe normally wouldn't. It's it's basically a little league for golf mm-hmm. where the kids get uniforms, they play two-person scrambles, and it's been a hoot. It's been a big success with us. We've had several teams and it's gotten kids that normally wouldn't play golf to play golf because it's more of a team atmosphere. It's, it's competition, but it's not high stress competition like our junior tour is for the more seasoned players. Um, and, and I just think this COVID thing, while it's been a terrible thing, it's, it's given people an opportunity to get outside and uh, still kind of socialize without being too close uh, because you know you really couldn't do much else as far as sports or what have you Um, 
but golf, you could get out there and, and you could walk, you could, you know, take single rider carts. Um, so I think this is an opportunity that, uh, golf has taken advantage of. And, uh, like I say, I see more people that, um, had either given up the game or had never played the game coming back to it. And, uh, it, has been really exciting. And, uh, I, I just think that we as golf professionals and people in the industry just get to understand that we've got to capture these people and, and keep them happy and, and, uh, keep them in the game because it is, it's a game that you can play forever. We've, we've got members that played at our club that, you know, 96 years old. Now you tell me what other sport can, uh, somebody play at that age. And you know, if you're a, a grandfather, you can play with your grandkids. If you're a father, you can play with your son or your daughter. I mean, it's, it's just, there's so many opportunities and it's, it's such a good game that teaches you life's values um, that hopefully people see that and it, it will continue to grow. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people that had pretty much given up on the game and, and with COVID the COVID pandemic and, and um, I, I was looking for, it's actually kind of a interesting story. It was mid April. I think I was just needing something to do because I had been in my apartment for pretty much two weeks on end because I was thankfully I'm able to work from home, but the, the company I was working for sent everybody home. And so I was looking for, for something to, something to get out and, and do and just kind of be around people. And, and my buddy said, well, I'm, I'm going golfing this weekend. And I was like, well, you need, you need a fourth. And, uh, my good friend, he, he had, um, he actually had an extra set of clubs because when I moved back to Tennessee from Phoenix, I donated my clubs to uh to goodwill and they they were they were actually the uh the clubs that i had bought from you that's that's how long i had had them um <laughs> technology had passed those by john yeah yes I, i've come to i've come <laughs> to figure that out now and and so yeah i wound up by buying a, a new set here and and uh have i i've played I think I played more this this year than I ever had, even in my life. Even when I was working and, and playing regularly, working for you and playing regularly in tournaments, I think I've I've played, uh, and just it's helped me with uh, with my weight loss. I'm I'm back down to uh, 197, 199, and um, in the a few years ago, I was up over 300 pounds. So. Um, it's been a it's been a long journey to get back down to uh, to this weight, but golf has definitely helped it this year. Just being able to to go out and play and practice all the time with it, and um, um, so you know, I'm I'm one of those that's I'm one of those exciting stories, I guess you could say that's, yeah, that's come back that's to great. come back to the game as a as a result of COVID here. So yeah, oh, so, uh, stick with it. I, I will. I, I'm, I'm really close to, uh, really close to breaking 80 actually. Um, all right. Yeah. So I, uh, broke, broke, uh, broke 80 once when I was playing in one of your tournaments, when I was a teenager, I, I remember it, I, I shot 79. Um, and so actually that was one of the few tournaments that I played, played, uh, in when I was working for you that I actually placed in. I, um, so that was, um, uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm real close to, to getting back there again. So, um, yeah. 
Um, okay, great. But anyway, last question here, and then I will uh, we'll we'll let you go, and uh, um, we'll put the put a nice little bow on the podcast here. Um, I like to wrap it up with this question. Um, let's say that you are you're in a situation where you meet a young man who's trying to find his way in the world today. They're they're kind of disheartened, down on themselves, down on their luck, down on the down on the world today, and really just kind of at the point where they kind of want to give up on things. What what kind of advice and direction and encouragement would you give a young man in that situation? All right. Well, the first thing I'd say is uh, turn off all the news because if you want to get depressed, that's all you have to do is watch the news. Oh, yes. Uh, and so if you're down on your luck and you get a, a dose of uh, the media, um, you're only going to get more down on yourself. So um, certainly that would be the first thing. Uh, just shut out the negativity that's going around in the world because you don't know what's truthful and what isn't anymore, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, and just, uh, you know, find people that you can trust, uh, friends, family, uh, pastors, what, uh, you know, people that you can really, really trust that really care about the individual. Uh, and, and, you know, fill your mind with, uh, good positive books. Um, there's a million good ones out there. Um, but you've got to put the good stuff into your head. Um, so good stuff comes out and, uh, to listen to all the chaos in the world right now. Uh, I think that's what you've got to get away from. Um, you know, we, we were put on this earth for a purpose you just got to uh, uh, search for what that purpose is, and it's not always easy. But if you surround your pe- uh, self with the right people and, and the right thinking, and like I say, I think uh, you know you just talked about uh, yourself being overweight. Uh, I mean, I think people need to understand how important uh, you know exercise is in your life uh the better uh, the more you exercise the better you feel the better you feel the better your mind is uh and and i just think you've got to wake up every day with the mindset i'm going to get better today mentally physically and spiritually uh and if and if you strive intentionally to do that every day uh, you know things will turn around it's not every day is going to be rosy um, but the more you can shut out the, the noise of the world and uh, focus in on, on the good things that uh, God has given us, um, which is just, you know, an awesome uh, amount of things, uh, we've got to focus on the good things and, and not the bad things. Amen. Very good. Very good. Well, that, uh, that it was the last question. Uh, so actually this is going to be the last question. We're, we're wrapping things up here, Raleigh. Do you have anything that, uh, that you'd like to plug any, uh, anything <laughs> that you want to promote here for, uh, before we go or. Well, I just, uh, I appreciate this, uh, hour that, uh, you've let me babble on, uh, 
that's been uh, been good and uh, hopefully there's been some nuggets that people can take with them to uh, you know make their daily lives a little better um but uh, no i i just uh, it's good to reconnect with you and i'm i'm thankful that uh, i had some small part uh, of uh, helping you uh, come to the lord that's uh, encouraging to know and uh it's kind of cool to hear that you still got to see you at the top on your bookshelf. And mm-hmm. uh, whenever uh, things are, are uh, not going well, you can always turn to that book, the Bible. Uh, there's so many good books out there that, uh, um, you know, you just got to uh, just think you use that, uh, that mentality of trying to improve mentally, physically, and spiritually every day. And everything will be, uh, would be, uh, headed in the right direction for you. There's one Bible verse that, you know, really hit me. Uh, and I, I, I tried to memorize as many Bible verses, uh, and I go through those every day, but this one really stands out, uh, to me, uh, that if we're here on this earth, um, that this is a, a really good thing to have in the, in our mind every day. And it's from Galatians six ten. it says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. So if we can use that as a, a kind of a daily mantra, um, I think, you know, we can get through the day and at the end of the day, have a pretty big smile on our face, uh, knowing that um, we're trying to do good to all people. So I think the two most important words in that uh, verse is opportunity and every day, I think we're given an opportunity. Um, so, and the other word is all. Let's do good to all people, whether you're, they're your friends, whether they're your enemies. If we just have that mindset, uh, I think we can all make the world a better place. Amen. Amen. Well, that was my interview with Mr. Raleigh Freisinger. You can learn more about the... Callaway Junior Tour and the Meyer Junior Players Tour at juniorgolf.org. And you can learn more about the Foundation Golf Center at foundationgolfcenter.com. And Raleigh, once again, it was, uh, it was so great to, to reconnect with you and talk with you to, today. Um, thanks very much for, for joining me. This is the M60 Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Wow, really great stuff from Raleigh Freisinger there. I really appreciate him taking the time to join me on the podcast today. Almost an hour and a half on what's usually an hour show, so that's impressive stuff there. You can find links to his organizations, the Game of Your Life Foundation and the Foundation Golf Center in the show notes below. You can also find my social media in the show notes below. Also links to my Patreon if you are interested in supporting the content that you hear here. You can also email me, m60podcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in sponsorship of the show, just put sponsorship in the subject line. And as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.